you pray for us? Morning, Father, we are here to bear the Father God to, to worship you, Father God, to hear from you, God, in this day, Father, I pray Jesus there. That we're here to be attentive, Father God, to hear from you, that we will be able to apply and to do exactly what you call us to, Father God, we thank you for everything that you have done in our life, Father God, for your love. I know we, we love you and we want to worship you, God, in the spirit and true, Father. So I pray, Jesus, that today will be a day that we will rejoice and be glad, Father God. Bless your Lord, Lord, your love for us, Father, and do it forever and ever, Father God. So we thank you for that, Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the honor during this day and ever, Father, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Father, we thank you, God, for this day. And Father, I pray, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, as we open your word, Father, that our hearts would be good soil this morning to receive. Father, your truth. I thank you that your word declares that it's truth that sets us free. the day, God, that people celebrate love, relationships, because it's Valentine's Day. And I pray above all, Father, that we would truly know love. We truly would be people, Father, who would be an expression of love. That we wouldn't get caught up or deceived by the world's definition of love. God, that we as your people would truly know how to truly love. Father, first loving you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our bodies and strength. And then loving our neighbor as ourselves, Lord. God, that we would truly understand what love calls us to. See, your word says, no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for their friend. This incredible display of, of servanthood. Father, may we be people who are humbled. And we be people who are, first and foremost, servants. willing to put aside our selfishness and our desires, God, and truly have a heart to, to serve others. Making your name known in the gospel may it be preached, Father, so others would come to know this great love. Father, you've sent your son Jesus because you so loved the world. And for that, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 4 is where we're heading. We're going to pick up today with these parables, these short stories, if you would, these teachings that Jesus has <clears throat> taught to his disciples and to those who would hear him. Those who were following his ministry. And we understand this as it is today, as it was then. There are those who are around Jesus for their own desires. They're seeking a gain for themselves. There's the religious leaders who are against Jesus. So they're there trying to figure out what they can catch him in to basically expose him. And then there's those who are truly there with a sincere heart and a desire to know God. And so it's interesting that on this day, Valentine's Day, that our message today is the condition of the heart. The soil 
of your heart. The soil of the hearts of those who hear God's word. And I believe last time we were together, we read through James where we were encouraged to not just be hearers of the words, but we must be doers of the word. And so as we open up the book today, we're in chapter 4. We're going to first see this parable of the farmer scattering the seed. So it begins here. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. These are Jesus' words. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant was soon I'm sorry, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who... I'm sorry, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He began this parable by saying, listen. Give me your undivided attention. I'm about to explain to you. The principle of the kingdom. Listen. Are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we being attentive to the Lord's teachings? To the direction of the Holy Spirit? Are we attentive and not being distracted or overwhelmed by the cares of life? Are we listening? He begins then to go on about this farmer scattering seeds. And he explains the different soils in which the seed fell upon. And then you see at the end of this parable, he says anyone with ears to hear should listen, and not only listen, but understand. Listen. Are you listening? Anyone who has ears to hear should understand. And it's a spiritual understanding. It's the the attentiveness with the ears of listening. What does he mean by this? 
He has a vast multitude of people before him. And Jesus knows their hearts. He knows their motives of why they are there. And yet he speaks this word out, knowing that the majority of them will not understand. They will not have the ears to hear. Later it says here, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking, I'm sorry, by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They will fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And then the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce their harvest over 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. He's gathered with his disciples in an intimate setting. And they ask him, what does this mean? What does this parable mean? And he says to them, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. You are, look what it says there, permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. Those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ, those who he has called as his own, those who has responded to the message of the gospel and has received this free gift of salvation, those who are his children are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. You're permitted. You're given the right to understand the secret to this kingdom. Not everybody will come to the full understanding of Christ because they choose. They choose to not receive all that He is and all that He has. 
for them. What he has accomplished to free us from the enslavement of this world, to free us from sin and death, to free us from ourselves. You see, we're not following Christ, we're following our desires. We are lured by the things of this world. We are blinded, our eyes are blinded by the enemy. But as Christians, our eyes are no longer blinded. We're not lured by the world any longer. And we've considered our desires, this temporalness of life, the flesh nailed to the cross, and we have received power from the Most High to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Now we have been given the right We are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. Sharing the gospels, teaching the gospel. There's going to be those that it makes no sense to. They don't have ears to hear. He says here, And he explains the different soils, the different conditions of the heart. The seed, in verse 15, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but... Since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. The question today is, what's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your heart? What's the soil that's receiving God's word? Are you receiving it to the fullness? Is it producing fruit in your life? Are you allowing the cares of life to choke it? Are you allowing Satan to come and just snatch it out? Are you allowing it to to grow down deep to where it matures you and grows you? Remember the Word of God, and we keep saying this over and over. How does God transform us by the renewing of our mind, by changing the way we think. We respond to truth. We respond to Him as Lord and Savior. We lay down our lives. We've considered the cost. And we want to be people whose heart is of good soil to receive. So that in receiving, we can receive more. We can receive more. And it's producing something in our lives. And in that, 
and producing something within us. It's not for us to hoard it for ourselves, but it's for us to give it away. We're to be the farmer. Scattering the seeds. Being about our Father's business. Jesus is our example of this farmer. He came, he scattered seeds. And I love this picture that he scattered them among all types of soil. Usually a farmer or one who who farms or plants, they know the soil in which to work in. They wouldn't waste their time in hardened, rocky soil. Mm -hmm. I love this picture. That he scattered it everywhere. That's how our lives should be. We should be scattering seeds everywhere. Even amongst the hardened people. Even amongst those who who, who we may think may not receive because of however they may be living. But we should still be scattering the seeds. As farmers in the kingdom of God, if you would, as we're scattering, we're more focused on the message of the gospel than the soil of the land. Just scatter the seeds. Because we're trusting that He will bring about the harvest. Our role is just to scatter the seeds. That's why we don't grow weary in doing good. In due time, we will reap a harvest. We have to trust the fact that God, in His sovereignty, knows how He's going to bring about His purpose in the hearts and the lives of those that are on this earth. God Himself was standing there speaking, looking out at this vast crowd, and He knew the majority of them would not respond to Him. Look at this scripture. He said, this scripture must be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. They will see what I do, and they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. As it was then, so it is now. People will see God move in their lives time and time and time again, and yet they will learn nothing. They will hear the word of God time and time and time again, but they will not understand. If they did, they would turn to him and be forgiven. God himself, standing there among a multitude of people, telling this parable, the soil of the hearts. Some will receive, some won't. Again, The cares of life will choke out the very word of truth. 
Satan will come and snatch it. They won't allow the word to grow deep, so there's no transformation. You're just hearers and not doers. But we're called to have good soil. We're called to receive the word of God. And then not just receive it, not just hear, but accept it and then be doers of it. Go and scatter the word. Go scatter the seeds. And let God bring about His purpose. Not everybody's going to respond in the same way. But I love the fact when He says, listen. Listen. He who has ears, let him hear. There's a principle here. There's truth here that you should be responding to. Then Jesus asked them, <clears throat> Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. And every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. Would you light a lamp and hide it? No. The light is to illuminate in the darkness. And so it is with God. His truth. He is the light of the world. The light is shining for all to see. Again, he is speaking to his disciples, beginning to prepare them for what he has called them to. Do you remember, as he's teaching them, as he's with them, he is reminding them of what his purpose is and what their purpose will be. He says, consider the cost before you come following me. They hate me, they're going to hate you. It's going to be rough for you in this world. This world is not your home. But don't hide your life. Don't back down because of darkness. Don't lock yourself away. Don't keep your Christian faith quiet by living among others as they are. No, you're to be different. 
you wouldn't light a lamp and then hide it. No, it's to burn for all to see. He's preparing them. Again, Jesus knows the condition of the hearts of men. And yet he scattered the seeds freely. And in that, he's reminding them, don't hide the light that has been given to you. And look what it says here. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. The more you seek Him, the more you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. He longs to give us the understanding of His truth. And we gain more understanding of His truth the more that we are listening to His truth. And as we gain understanding from listening, we then apply it and obey it, and our lives begin to change. Our light grows even brighter. Some people, they're just content and satisfied showing up for church. But look what the Word says. The soil of your heart The condition of your heart. It's vital for your Christian growth. If all you are are just hearing and there's no doing, if all you are is just showing up and and there's no application and you're not even really paying attention or listening, you know you're listening by the amount of application you're putting into your life and your dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So don't be shocked when the word is choked out of you. Don't be shocked when there's no growth coming from you. It's not God who's hindering the growth, it's you. You are bid to come freely. You are called to come, to come. Look what he says here. You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. He holds nothing back. He freely longs to give it to his people. To have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. Pay close attention then to to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more you understand you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. The kingdom of God, he goes on. In verse 26, it's like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, For the harvest time has come. The farmer does not understand how this process happens. I love the fact that the farmer just basically expects it to. 
As for us, as we're sowing the seed of the gospel, as we're out there planting, we don't have to even worry or give thought to what God is going to do. No, we're trusting the fact that God will just come forth. And at His right time, at His right appointed season, the harvest will come forth. And there will be a great harvest on the day that He returns to gather those who belong to Him. Those who were listening and obeying. Harvested. Will be collected for his kingdom. Those who didn't listen, those who didn't obey, the workers of sin, the workers of iniquity, it's their choice. Unfortunately, their doom is hell. For eternity. They chose not to listen and chose not to obey. He's given insight and understanding here. The great day of harvest when he returns. When he returns. What may seem insignificant now, and it seems like there's such a hardness in this generation for the for God's truth. God says no. This is the appointed time in which I appointed you to go forth and scatter the seed. Trust in Him to bring it about. You just keep scattering. You keep speaking truth. You keep upholding the standards of righteousness. You keep speaking forth salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. And trust Him to move. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't hide your light. And I love the fact, too, that let's not forget, this is written for all time, for believers in every generation. But I love to keep bringing this back to why this gospel was written. It was written to Christians in Rome. And I'm always so moved when I bring this back to my memory to kind of sit and go, it was written to people who were under intense persecution for their faith in Christ. I mean, their bodies were being nailed to crosses throughout the city and engulfed in flames at night. And the Roman people, the worldly people, they laughed. They gathered into arenas to watch Christians be ushered in. And bodies devoured by wild animals, and they applauded. Christians were not well received, nor were they ever be. Jesus is, one of Jesus' names is, is a man of many sorrows. Jesus, who was fully God, endured such great opposition and persecution. His followers will experience the same. His message was not of this world. They wanted it to be. They, they thought because of, of their ignorance and because of how, who the Messiah, how the Messiah was presented to them that he would be a, a worldly leader who will just free them from the oppression of Rome and make their day-to-day lives better. It's not who the Messiah was, nor was that ever meant for him to be. You see, 
when we think about the fall of Adam and Eve, and we've been studying this on Friday nights, that before the fall, all things were right. They were in communion with God. They were in relationship with God. They had all that they needed. And yet the enemy came in and sowed a seed of doubt. Not only did he sow the seed of doubt, he also sowed this understanding that God is holding something back from you. Because he knows if you really partake of this, you will become like God. And so Eve fell into it, and in turn gave it to Adam. And in the moment of that fall, their eyes were opened. And what they recognized is now we're separated from God. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. We're naked. All of a sudden, shame and guilt hit them like a ton of bricks. And that's what sin does. Looks good for the moment. But it crushes the very essence of your existence. Because you weren't created for the temporalness of life. You were created for the eternal. And so their response was condemnation and shame. And they hid and and God stepped out and called them out. He clothed them. And there are consequences to what they've done. But then he looked at the serpent and said, there will come one, a seed from her, who's going to crush your head. Jesus. As I've been sharing with you all on Friday nights, I've been really meditating on this, and especially as we're coming to this day of of Valentine's of love and celebrating love. It hit me the other day, I was like, wow. Because we've already know this, that the fall didn't take God by surprise. Because we already knew that the cross was purposed before even the earth was formed. Remember God's plan all along you are is to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. No greater example of love ever displayed. God is love. It's the greatest love story. Man can never write this. So even before the earth was formed the cross was purposed. So the fall had to take place, are you ready for this? So that love would be displayed. If it wasn't for the law, if it wasn't for the fall, love would have never been dis- displayed. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then even, we've been encouraging each other over this past month or so, where scripture says that God has prepared good works for you to do way before you were even born. You were known by God, and God prepared good works for you to do. 
And those good works are to be done in this generation. And those good works are to make Him known. You're to be about your Father's business. You're to be like the farmer scattering the seeds. You're to let your light shine to a darkened world and say, no, there is hope. There is great love. Because because of the fall, we all have the same condition. We don't have to feel a sense of worth. We don't have security. And we feel that we're not accepted. And each of us, apart from Christ, this is the, 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 the woundedness within our hearts. Every boy, girl, man, woman born on this earth is born into sin and we all are born with this condition lacking significance, acceptance, and security. And so the very things in this earth try to draw and to fill all those for us, but they can't, they never can, they never will. No matter how much we keep giving ourselves to them, it would never satisfy us. If it did, sin would satisfy us and we would feel a sense of wholeness. But you would never feel whole. The wholeness comes from God and God alone. When, that's why Jesus says, you must be born again. Born of the Spirit. Receive salvation. Because when you're born again, you automatically receive the fullness of wholeness. You have worth. You have value. Because you recognize that you are a a possession, a treasured possession that belongs to God. His great love for you. You're secured in Christ. Nothing, nothing can take you away from his love. You're accepted, you're secured, and now you have worth. All because of Christ and what he accomplishes. That's why the Christian life isn't based on what you can do to be good. It's all based on what Christ did. And because of Christ, there are standards now in which we are called to live by. And we're not to continue to wrestle with him. No, God, I want this part of me. You can have that part of me. I want this part of me. You can have that part of me. No, it's the full part of who you are because he gave you the full part of who he was and is. He laid himself down completely. He did not hold anything back. And so don't think that you can live your Christian life holding anything back from him and just willing to give this little bit to him. No, no, no. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And so we're moved by his love. We're moved by this great love that has been displayed to mankind. And then when we act to receiving it by living it out to others. So we're not to be a selfish people. We're to be a people who freely give. No matter how they treat you. Freely give. Freely give. And stop giving with expectations. Well, if I do this, then I expect that. No, no. Sow the seed, no matter the soil. Sow the seed of love, of truth. We're to be a people of great love. That's why he said, they will know you belong to me by the love you have. Not for the world. 
but for each other. They will know you belong to me by the love that you have for one another. Because though on the outside they will see a group of people or an individual, a person who is secured, who sees that they have worth and that they are accepted. People will see there's something different about you. And it will either draw them to Christ or it will repel them because you would be like a stench of death to them. Just your very presence. Gives them the understanding of the judgment in which they stand in. Not yours, but that which they will face when the harvest time is ready. Not everybody is going to respond to the message of Christ. Not everybody will. Not everybody is going to live for Christ. And how sad. He is reminding them. And I can only imagine what the believers in Rome, when they were reading this, when they heard this, how they must have been encouraged. They were just a small group of people in a city that was totally against them and their God. And yet they're being encouraged. Let your light shine. Keep sowing the seed. See, they could have been scared to share their faith. They could have been timid and afraid. But now these believers, they were unity. They had to go about their day-to-day lives living, expressing God's love, even to those who would nail them to a cross and burn them even to those who would drag them into arenas and watch them be mauled. Don't hide your light. Let your light shine. Jesus said in verse 30, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, he was, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them kingdom of God. I'll use the illustration of a small mustard seed. Again, the significance of him just telling this parable and the listeners who are hearing it for the time that he spoke it and then throughout the generation until he returns. Again, the Christian faith, the kingdom of God is not the widely popular message out there. In fact, it is the most resisted. Because the world will never understand it. The ways of the world will never embrace the ways of the kingdom of God. There is such resistance upon this earth against truth. 
But he's saying, ah, remember. It's like a small seed, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. Oh, the day of when he will return and gather those that belong to him. Such a joyous day. We may not with our physical eyes see how things are are taking place, but we can trust in the fact that he is working all things out. And that there is a great harvest to come. What may seem small and insignificant grows in such a way that lives and hearts are changed forever, for eternity. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. These disciples, they have been with Jesus since he's called them. They have seen his miracles, healings. They have seen him teach with such great authority. They have been given the right to to understand the kingdom of God. He's revealing himself to them. They had a full days, full days of ministry. Non-stop, going from town to town. Jesus is on the move. He knows His purpose. He knows the cross is set before him. There's work to be done. He's on the move. And now he tells them to get into the boat. And Jesus goes to sleep. And all of a sudden, a huge hurricane force storm comes. The waves are battering the boat. Fear is gripping their heart. And instead of going to Jesus, Master, We know that you can calm the storm. Instead they go and they say, don't you care that we're going to drown? They shift 
everything from the fullness of what they've experienced and know so far about him, and it shifts back to them. Don't you care about us? Don't you care, God? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you care? And they're questioning him. And I know the common thing is, oh yes, God's big. Be angry at him, question him all you want. Oh, careful. Careful. We have the right to come before him. But who are we, mere man, clay, to question the potter? Who are we to question him in this manner? Do you see, because we should know him already, of course he cares for us. Of course he cares for us. And we should trust him enough to know that God, in the midst of this, your word says that you will work all things out for the good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. See, they focused on the storm. They took their eyes off of their master. It happens to us. Life hits us every which way. And all of a sudden, we're questioning God. Careful of that. That'll lead you to the, the works of the flesh. That'll lead you to thoughts of doubt and uncertainty. And it'll begin to spin you out of control. And that's not what God has. No, if we know Him, then allow our roots to grow firmly down deep. And then we can trust the fact. That God, you are for us. You're not against us. Jesus, calm the storm. As I know you can, God. The storm served its purpose. It revealed their lack of faith. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, the storms in our lives come to reveal our hearts, our condition. And so we're not to, to feel condemnation or shame or guilt. No. We're to respond with the fact that, God, I'm lacking in this. Increase my faith. God, if the storms have to come, then allow them to produce something within me. Your word says trials will come. Again, this Christian life, this concept of the Christian life, not having any problems, is a false gospel. Again, Jesus, God himself, experienced great trials while he was on this earth. And he didn't hide the fact that those who follow me are going to experience the same, because this world is not your home. It was not mine. I didn't come to be a worldly king. I came to be the king of kings. My kingdom, remember when Jesus said, the pilot, my kingdom is not of this world. So 
So the storms of life are going to blow up against you. Life is going to suck. Things are going to come and beat you from every side. But in that you can stand with the assurance that the great I am, God himself is for you. And we must grow into a people who truly grasp this so that our faith is evident out there for others to see. These believers are hearing this word. I'm sure they prayed, God, deliver us from this persecution. We can't take it one more day. But they weren't delivered from it. They were called to endure it. They weren't delivered from such great persecution. They had to endure it. Their faith had to grow in the midst of hellish conditions. We here in our nation, our rights as Christians are being stripped left and right, left and right from us. We're not under intense persecution yet. Oh, but the time is coming. Go out there and talk about Jesus, the true Jesus, the true gospel, and watch how offended people get. Look at the great deception that's happening among our nation, from our political leaders down. Truth, it's being silenced. Deception is rising in the land. Once was once dark is now considered light, and once what is light is now considered dark. The message of love itself has been perverted, has been compromised by the churches in our land. Such great deception is at work. And yet, we're called not to be overtaken by it, but to remain steadfast, scattering the seed, letting our light shine, and don't let the storms take our eyes off of Him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's begun this work in you. You didn't create this work. He's begun it. If you're truly following Christ, then let Him finish what He started. That's why you must be dependent upon Him. That's why if there's sin in your life, you can't keep going another day, another hour, another year, thinking that it's, that it's acceptable. It is not acceptable. Sin separates you from God. And remember what it says in Psalms? He says, you thought I was okay with what you're doing because I said nothing. No, I'm coming and I'm going to tear you apart. That's God. See, we have to be careful not to partake of the great deception that's taking place in the land. We have to be careful. 
the storms of life are going to come. And that's listen to Jesus' words here. Silence, be still. It was the same words that he spoke to the demons. Be quiet and remain quiet. And you saw, and you see what happens. Those elements had to obey. And I keep encouraging us with this understanding. Everything created, besides mankind, everything created has to obey when he speaks. But mankind, he's given us free will. You don't have to obey. But when you do, it displays such great love. <clears throat> Remember from the beginning, even before the earth was formed, his plan for love to be expressed to all creation. And the only way that that love can be expressed is through created man. It's the greatest love story, you all. And yet we settle for the temporalness of life thinking it's going to fulfill us because we just have to feel secure of worth and accepted. And we seek the relationships and the craziness of this world. And yet all along God is going, no, here I am. See, I created you to be an expression of my love to all creation. To all creation. That's why the word of God says that he can point to us. Look at my chosen possessions. Look at my vessels of honor. My trophies of grace to all creation. Look, they responded to love with love. No greater love that you would lay down your life as he laid down his. It's the greatest expression of love to all creation. And so he can speak to the wind and the waves and the circumstances of your life. And he can bring about the healing and the peace and deliver us. Because he's God. Or he can choose to say, go through it. I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because he's God. Either way, he's God. Our response to him is obedience. It's of love. I'm telling you, as we come together today, and as this is the day to celebrate love, let us not neglect considering the greatest love. God's love. God's love for you, for others. So my prayer is that you would take away today the truth of this love. 
you know, King Jehoshaphat. And if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me talk about King Jehoshaphat. Him and his kingdom were being surrounded by their enemies from every side. From every side. They saw no way out. And the man of God came, the prophet came to Jehoshaphat and told him, basically God's going to deliver you, but you must go and face Joseph had called the people to prayer. And it's a beautiful prayer in 2 Chronicles. Go read it if you've never read it. And after praying, the next day, Jehoshaphat and his armies dressed for battle. In the natural, in the temporalness of life, Jehoshaphat, you're going to be destroyed. Every enemy has surrounded you. There's really no hope. But these people did not put their hope in what they see. They put their hope in the God who loved them. And so, before the warriors, his army, he placed his worshipers. And I always think about these people. Oh, God. How would you respond? How would I respond? We're going to put you ahead of the army. (laughs) And we just want you to sing and worship God. How would we respond? Oh, yeah. Where is our faith? If we're really honest with ourselves, like, what? No, I would rather have the army go before me. You know, I'll stay a good distance behind and I'll worship God. But they didn't even question. They went before the army and they were given a specific song to sing. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his love endures Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever. They had no understanding of what would happen in this war. They just trusted God. And God turned the enemies against each other, and they annihilated each other. There's a lesson and worship you all. Such great warfare and worship. So if the storms of life are beating up against you, stand up. And if all you remember to say is, I give thanks to God, for He is good, for His love endures forever. I give thanks to God For he is good, for his love endures forever. Let that be our battle cry today as we go from this place. You're going to face things this week, month, throughout this year. The times in which we're living, I think it's time the church really remembers her identity. 
If not, the word is going to be choked up out of us. We're going to lose. It's going to be taken from us. But that's not what the church is supposed to have happened. We're to have the good soil. We're to receive. We're to produce. We're to let our light shine. Let the winds and the waves batter against us. But because we will stand collectively in this generation and give thanks to our God. For he is good because his love endures forever. I think the church needs to be awakened to her identity, reminded of who she is. Because we know that in the last days, before he returns, it's going to get darker. I think the church age in which it was used to be is not what it is today. There were great opportunities of witnessing, of faith, a great window is open. But I believe as, as, as his returning is, is coming closer and closer, that that window is going to grow narrow and narrow and narrow and smaller and smaller and smaller. Because he says in the last days, the love of many is going to grow cold. They're going to become selfish. Prideful and arrogant. And we see it, and such a great deception is going to hit the earth. And we see it happening. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, worldwide events are taking place and shaping and forming. Such great deception is coming from our leaders, and a multitude of people are following. Oh, church, awaken in this hour to know your God and to be an expression of His love. Amen? I'm going to close with this last song of worship. I'm going to close this in prayer. Oh, Father God, we love your presence. We love to come into your presence to exalt you and sing to you and praise you, magnify your name and glorify you. Father, we love to come to your table and eat. We hunger and thirst for you. Help us to focus this morning on you, to leave the things of this world behind, to forget about ourselves to concentrate on you, to worship you, because we need more of you, more of your love, more of your power, more of you in our lives.